Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Today we'll be doing our first mock draft of the season, which I'm really excited about, and we have some interesting free agency news to cover. Then Keith Goldner, Chief Analyst of NumberFire.com and Director of Analytics for FanDuel.com is going to come on to help prep people for their March Madness brackets. I can't wait for that either. It's going to be an awesome show. Keith can be found on Twitter at Keith Goldner, just like it sounds. I'm Bobby Sylvester, and by my side is co-host Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at BobbyFantasyPro and at NFL. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's going on, Bobby? I cannot believe that it's it's March 13th, and we are sitting here recording a mock draft because we, we, we have a sickness, don't we? We are really sick people, but I'll tell you what, I'm disappointed we haven't done it sooner. It's really a shame. <laughs> I, 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 I will. I will admit that I have done one mock draft already. Um, not. It was actually like two weeks ago I did it, but um, it's going to start getting into mock draft season just so I can see where the values are because MFL yeah. season, as you know, has started. And uh, yeah, so we we got to pay attention to these values where we can get them when we can get them. And that's why we start them early so we can uh, give people a heads up for whenever they do start. I've actually done two MFL drafts, and believe it or not, I'd pick eleven in both of them, which really stinks. It's like the worst place to draft. I got the same pick in both of them, so I get to practice the same thing. I'm drafting all the same players, but today we're doing a standard draft. We'll get into that in a minute, but Mike, we had some big news come out, obviously the biggest of which is that Brandon Cooks was traded to the Patriots. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so the the Saints, it's been, it, it was rumored that it was going to be the Titans or the Eagles being tra- the ones that were trading for Brandon Cooks. As it turns out, the Patriots stepped in and uh, gave up their first round pick along with uh, their fourth round, I want to say it was, for uh, the Saints, Brandon Cooks, and their third round. Uh, so Brandon Cooks, essentially was a Brandon Cooks for a first round pick is what it was. And um, Brandon Cooks going to that offense, I think it's more of a luxury for them than anything. Uh, I was kind of going through it and I did my instant reaction to it. I wrote an article, check it out on the site if you want to read it in long form. But in short form, Bobby, I don't even know if you had a chance to check this out because if there's one offense that you can compare to the Saints over the last, you know, five, six years, it's the Patriots, right? Because they they spread the ball around. They're very unpredictable in their fantasy performances. So I went through and looked at these two teams. The Saints over the last three years have thrown 102 touchdowns, run for 47 touchdowns. The Patriots have thrown for exactly 102 touchdowns and rushed for 45 touchdowns. No way. That's incredible. How scary is that, right? Now, here's the thing that, you, that that's important to you, the fantasy player, is in the last three years, the New England Patriots have, uh, they've given you 17 wide receiver one performances. That's the top 12 performance, whether it be by Julian Edelman, Malcolm Mitchell, whoever it is, they've given you 17 over the last three years. Meanwhile, the Saints have had 19 in the last two years, 24 in the last three years. So the Saints is more of a wide receiver friendly offense, I would say, than the Patriots in terms of upside. And Brandon Cooks has got more, and he, you know, he wasn't happy with Michael Thomas stealing targets in New Orleans. What's he going to do in, in New England when Rob Ronkowski, when Julian Edelman, when James White, Deion Lewis, when these guys are getting targets? I just, I don't, I don't really understand, but who are we to question Bill Belichick and, and the machine that is the New England Patriots, right? I cannot believe some of those stats you came up with. Like that must have taken you all, like from the time Brandon Cooks was, was traded until now, like you must have been looking for those stats. Or is that just like stuff that's just in the back of your head and it's like, oh, whatever, I'll just pull this out right now. You know what's funny is that that trade happened. So here's the deal. If you guys have been following the site, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that like my instant reactions were going up like immediately. Like it was an hour within a transaction they were going up. And when the Brandon Cooks trade went down, my wife and I, I decided to say, we're going to go take my grandpa to dinner. So we went and took him to dinner. And while we're at dinner, this happens, right? 
And on the way back, I'm like, oh, God, I got to get back and I got to get an article started. So I'm started thinking about it. I'm talking like I literally like, sp- like spit things back and forth with my wife, just throwing ideas off of her because she plays herself. And um, we just started talking about the similarities between the Saints and the Patriots. And it, it led me to get back home and check my research that I I have so much research that I can kind of like take this stuff with, like the wide receiver one performances. And so I looked at it and I was shocked at how close the teams were and it and I, I put the cooks up on article. Uh, the article on cooks went up within like two hours of that trade. So it was relatively quick. I came up with those stats. <laughs> that is awesome. That is really great. <laughs> I was excited when I saw this just because it's great when you get a big trade in the NFL. It never happens. But I kind of have the same perspective on it as you do. Like for Brandon Cook's value doesn't really change anything. Wouldn't it have been great if he would have gone to one of these terrible teams and we could have seen him actually be a possession receiver? But now he's just kind of a guy in a system. And uh, it's kind of boring, but it was really exciting at the time, right? Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really puzzled at how they're going to use him. I don't know if I could see Brandon Cooks as a possession style receiver. Uh, as you were mentioning, that's why I didn't really know where he'd fit in. Like, obviously, he's a piece. He's a piece to a puzzle that you, you want to use. But the Patriots seem to have a lot of pieces. And if Brandon Cooks was unhappy with his 123 targets that he got with the Saints, he's going to be unhappy with the number he's going to get in New England because I really don't see that number getting above maybe 115. And you can't even argue that his efficiency would go up because, I mean, he's coming from Drew Brees to Tom Brady. You really can't go wrong with either or, but you're not going to adjust efficiency numbers away from Drew Brees. Yeah. I, I almost wonder if his attitude's going to be a little better playing under Belichick, though, because it better. you look at all these guys in the past. Yeah, you're exactly right. You look at all these guys in the past that the Patriot brought in. They've had some attitude problems, and then it just disappears when they get under Bill Belichick. And I think that might help Brandon Cook be a better player, or maybe he'll be a little disinterested. I, I'm not really sure it could go either way here. Yeah, definitely. It definitely can. And that's why I'm interested to see it. And that's why I don't, I've learned not to question Bill Belichick and the moves that he does because whatever he does, I mean, even if they don't pan out, he's good enough coach to overcome these things, but I can't see adding Brandon Cooks to be a bad thing at all. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so one player that I just couldn't stand in fantasy last season, especially DFS, was Isaiah Crowell because I didn't think he was really that great. And then he would bust an 80 yard touchdown and whoever had him would be playing against me. Now he's getting interest from three teams. I'm not sure he should start in the NFL. What do you think? You know, it's it's a really weird uh, topic because a lot of people uh, in, in our Twitterverse, which we seem to think is the entire world, but it's not. Um, a lot of people on Twitter seem to think that Isaiah Crowell is a really, really, really good running back. And I'm not one of those people. I think Isaiah Crowell is a very... Uh, I think he's a very LeGarrette Blunt-esque type running back where he's not necessarily a receiving back. He's not going to do a whole lot for you in the receiving game. Um, he's solid around the goal line. He's not a, he's not going to be a high yards per carry guy. So he's not someone that, for me, strikes me as someone that would garner any interest considering the Browns, what they did is they gave him a second round tender. So if any team wants to take him, they're going to end up owing a second round pick. And nobody's going to pay a second round pick for a running back like Isaiah Crowell, who's a who's yeah. a first and second down running back. You know, it's really weird. I'm with you, Bobby. I don't really understand it. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, Joel Batonio, he's he's one of their stud guards on the Browns. He and went got down Joe and Thomas. Yeah. Well, he well, Batonio went down in week five. And from that point on, Crowell suffered. Uh, he he had it was three games where he had more than I think it was 50 rushing yards. So just three games the rest of the season. He's the he was the lead back for them. It really it, that's it, terrible. It's so unpre- yeah, it's unpredictable. His yards after contact were not good. It, that's the thing is just for me to lose a guard. Yeah, it's definitely going to bring it down a tad, but it buried him from a fantasy standpoint. And for me. 
they have a they have a fantastic offensive line. So for that reason, he should be drafted as an RB two this year if he remains with the Browns because Duke Johnson has done nothing to kind of take that away from him. But for me, I'm with you though. I just think he's he is what he is. I think he's an average NFL running back. You know, I think the Browns are a candidate to draft a first round running back. Everyone's talking about them going and getting a quarterback, but they seem to want to give Cody Kessler uh, a, a chance. We're going to talk about that here in just a second, but. It seems like they're going to give him a chance, so I don't think they'll take a quarterback in the first round. Maybe next year, because they're probably going to have a really high pick again. Why don't they take one of these stud running backs? It's not out of the question, but I think when you when you talk about teams like the Cowboys that took Ezekiel Elliott, that people are trying to base uh, drafting a rookie that high. I don't see. I can't see them taking one uh, at number one. That's obviously not going to happen. You don't take anybody. But at twelve, honestly, I don't even think Fournette gets to number twelve. Um, I think he's going to go before that. And then you're talking about you know Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, um, Joe That'd Mixon. Be Mixon's, up both those guys. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, I don't really think that those are guys you'd want. Maybe if they trade back, I can see it because they have okay. been a team to stockpile picks because you get, they have two firsts, they have two seconds next year. They have I think it's two firsts, three seconds. So like they've been stockpiling draft picks. And um, I know I know you said we're going to talk about that Kessler thing in a second. So. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I'm really curious to see what the Browns do, but if they get a solid offer for, for Isaiah Crowell, say somebody comes in and offers them, you know, a fourth round pick, I would trade away Isaiah Crowell for a fourth round pick. Let's talk about the Kessler deal because the Browns just cut RG three. They're planning to release Osweiler or trade him if, if somebody's going to take him. <laughs> so it seems like Kessler is going to be starting in 2017. Do you think they'll draft a quarterback? That's where I'm torn at. You know, I do think that the Browns are going to draft a quarterback. I think it all ties back to them uh, cutting RG3. If they hadn't cut RG3, I could have I could have said it's possible that they don't draft one this year. They wait till next year or they go after Kirk Cousins next year in the offseason. But considering they cut RG3 that they, they have talked about, they're going to release Brock Osweiler if they can't trade him. And that's another thing. You know, we're hearing these things about Cleveland. Oh, there's three teams interested in Isaiah Crowell. Oh, there's three teams interested in Brock Osweiler. I'm not buying any of it. I don't think that. I Canadian think that football trying- teams? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's possible. I don't really think that there's much interest in these two players right now. Osweiler seems to never be set to take the field. And I think starting Kessler this year is a good idea for them. I also don't think it's a bad idea to draft a quarterback. And the reason I say that is because if Kessler turns out to be something and, and you take a quarterback, let's say at number 12, like they have that, that number 12 pick. If Kessler turns out to be something, you could trade him away and, and you know, keep build with That's your point. rookie quarterback. Or if Kessler turns out to be a stud, which I don't think he's going to be. I think we've seen enough to know he's not an elite quarterback, but we think he can be competent. I think at that point, you may be able to get something in a trade for him to a team that needs a quarterback like the 49ers, like the Jets. Um, and then you could just kind of roll with your rookie after he gets a year on the bench to kind of get acclimated to the NFL level. Yeah, you know, I watched Cody Kessler play, and he seems like someone who could end up being a Matt Hasselbeck in this league, which was a a quality NFL quarterback. I'm not saying that I'm expecting that or anything, but yeah, give him a season, and then maybe he's got some trade value. I mean, look at what Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value is. Yeah, I don't think that's look a at what Mike Glennon just signed for. Oh, I don't, Chicago, don't, don't bring up Mike Glennon. Up. Don't don't do it. <laughs> Marcus Wheaton. Oh, Glennon to Wheaton. That's the 2017 Bears. <laughs> I might have to bring that up every single podcast because it's just too funny. Like, what are they doing? They did make an under the radar signing, though, that I do like. And it was Kendall Wright. I'm a huge Kendall Wright fan. I feel like he needed a change of scenery. Um, They brought him in on four million, which is actually two million dollars less than Marcus Wheaton's going to get paid. Which, by the way, if I'm Kendall Wright, I'm firing my 
agent. If the Bears paid Wheaton six million, they gave me four. I'm firing him because Kendall Wright is a better NFL wide receiver than Marcus Wheaton. A couple other news items. Anquan Bolden's returning for his 15th season. I just love watching this guy play football. This is a plus for all football fans out there because he blasts people in the running game and he just plays the game the right way. Yeah, he's been so fun to watch for so long. He was uh, one of my favorites. And it's funny, I've been going through the draft prospects and stuff like that. And I came across a wide receiver. I'm not going to let it out who yet, but he kind of reminded me a little bit of Bolden. Um, because people forget that Anquan Bolden was really, really fast. Um, like when he was younger, he came in, he was a sub four five guy. Now he, you know, he, he moves pretty slow. He's a possession receiver. He's a, he's a definitely a red zone guy. So. Um, it's something to pay attention where he goes. I think he'd fit back with the Lions. I don't think that the Lions should roll with TJ Jones in the slot. I think that Anquan Bolden might end up re-signing with Detroit. Now, finally, Martellus Bennett to the Packers, Lance Kendrick to the Packers. They've also got Jared Cook. What's going on there? Is Bennett going to be any good in fantasy? That's the thing. So, you know, my job is to give you guys actual news and break it down for me from a fantasy standpoint. There's so many people running and saying that Martellus Bennett's automatic tight end one. He's maybe even top five. And uh, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, like cool your horses. We're on guys. the same page. Yeah. You know, like the thing is that people don't realize we have enough data on Aaron Rodgers. We have enough data on Mike McCarthy and how they run their offense and how often Aaron Rodgers targets his tight ends. Now, signing someone like Martellus Bennett, is it going to is it going to bring more targets to the tight end position? Of course it is. But it's not going to change the the fundamentals of the offense. It's not going to change the way Aaron Rodgers targets his wide receivers. You know, I went through it. And even if you go back to the Jermichael Finley days, you know, a lot of people love Jermichael Finley. He never saw, I think it was more than 105 targets in a season. Um, it wasn't like he had Rob Gronkowski numbers, not Delaney Walker numbers. He finished as a top eight tight end just once. Um, under Aaron Rodgers, there's only been two tight ends to finish inside the top 18. So for me, Martellus Bennett, uh, he's finished as a top five tight end once. But I, I kind of broke down the numbers in my article. And as I mentioned, guys, if you want to read more in depth on all these players that had their free agent signings, it's all on the website and they're all free right now. Um, check it out. Read why Martellus Bennett, the, when you should start considering him is the tight end eight, tight end nine off the board. And that's considering, that's not saying you need to take him there. That's saying that's when you start to consider him. I think I think a lot more about Martellus Bennett than you do about Jeremichael Finley because Without Aaron Rodgers, and I know Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw the tight end as much, but without Aaron Rodgers, Finley was a nobody, an absolute nobody. Martellus Bennett was a top three fantasy tight end just a few years ago with Jay Cutler as his quarterback. This is someone who could be really good. I think he's got a lot of upside this year. I think the only reason they brought in Lance Kendricks is because Bennett keeps getting hurt. And, you know, you have to consider the injury factor when you're drafting. And so, yeah, I have Bennett right around 11, 12 on my tight ends. But I've got to say, he has some nice upside. I, I'm not going to say that he doesn't have upside. Because if he's out there for all 16 games, I could understand it. But what I can tell you is this. Like, this is actually in the article. The the combination of tight ends in Green Bay, if we go back all the way to, to 2009, have never seen more than 115 targets collectively. So when you, when you say that and you say, well, okay, Kendricks is there, Richard Rodgers is there, it's not going to say they're going to get tons of targets, but they are going to get, you know, I'll say at minimum, those guys are getting 30 targets. So we're looking for her, you know, we're looking for Bennett to hopefully see 80 to 90 targets now. I think 95 is tops. So again, it's just when you're talking about those type of targets, you're not talking about top five tight ends. I think that you're talking yeah. about a guy that's in that eight to 12 range. And that's, again, if he plays all 16 games. I would not bet on it. Okay, Tags, let's do the first mock draft of the year. Finally, 
I'm really excited. For those of you listening at home, Mike and I are going to be using Draft Wizard to compete against one another. You can compete with us too. Just go to the NFL dropdown at the top of the Fantasy Pros homepage. Select Draft Wizard. We're going to be doing a 14-team league, drafting 7th overall. So it's going to be two totally different drafts. Then the draft simulation software is going to grade both of us at the end. It'll grade you as well so you can see how you did against us. We're going to be doing 12 rounds. One quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, and four bench spots. All set, Mike? I am ready. Awesome. What are you looking like in the first round? All right. So the pick number seven, this is like the the spot that I don't want to be in drafts. I do want a top six pick this year. I think any of the top six picks are good. Um, Some people would argue top seven because they believe Mike Evans belongs in that tier. I'm not one of those people. I think that with Deshaun Jackson coming to Tampa, I think it drops him a little bit on my board. I think he's going to be a little bit more consistent, but he's not going to have the upside, uh, you know, the 15 to 18 targets per game upside that he did without Deshaun Jackson. So for me, I'm going to pick LaShawn McCoy because I do want to get some of those workhorse running backs on my team. I hate the seventh pick as well. I actually want a top five pick because I'm not super fond of Julio Jones this year. There's just too many injury issues. Matt Ryan spreads the ball. I know Julio Jones gets a ton of yardage when he's healthy. He's one of the most athletic wide receivers we've ever seen in the NFL. Um, but if I don't get a top five pick, I'm not very happy. Unless, of course, one of those guys falls. I'd love to see Beckham fall to me. But in my draft here, Mike Evans was actually taken and Julio Jones is sitting on the board. Again, I'm not sure what I think about Julio Jones, but if he falls you at seven, you almost have to take him. I love A.J. Green. I'm really tempted to take him, but there's a big difference between Andy Dalton and Matt Ryan. Uh, and then finally, Jordan Howard is a player I would love to get, but I'm not reaching all the way up at seven. So I'm going to pull the trigger on Julio Jones and we'll move on to the second round. All right. So in the second round, you know, keep in mind, guys, if you're listening, this is a 14 team league. So it's a lot shallower than you would expect. And and for me, even in 12 team leagues this year, I don't like the second round. Second round, I usually reserve for a player that is very safe. I want my top two picks to make. I want them to be extremely safe. I don't want to take any risk with them. Um, I just want them to perform. The, you know, when you get into the third and fourth round, that's when I'm looking for upside. That, that Those are the guys that are potential first round picks next year. So for me, uh, going in this round, I have a stud running back. I would debate another running back, Carlos Hyde. I really, really like him here. But the fact that the wide receivers are going to dry up so quickly in a 14-team league, I feel like I need to address the position. So for me, again, I'm playing it safe. We just talked about Brandon Cooks, and I just don't feel like he's a very safe option in New England. He's going to give you headaches. He will make it up to you certain weeks, but I want a player who's going to be consistent. And I believe the third-year wide receiver, Amari Cooper, is only going to get better, while Michael Crabtree will slowly start to fade into, you know, he's he's coming up on 30 years old. So there, there's a point here where Amari Cooper is entering his prime while Michael Crabtree is entering his decline. Oh, baby, I'm so glad you picked Amari Cooper because I can't stand him. No. I, I, I mean, Michael Crabtree is the ace wide receiver on that team. He has been for two years. Amari Cooper, yeah, he has all the upside, but where is it? I know we talk about third-year wide receivers, but that's kind of a fluke. That's been disproven, and it doesn't take wide receivers as long in today's age because of the type of offenses they're running in college. And I think we're seeing what Cooper is. For whatever reason, Derek Carr doesn't like to throw the ball to him as much. I don't know if it's because Cooper's more of a decoy or what, but Michael Crabtree's a player, and uh, I'm not very excited about him this year. He's not on my board. He was taken. Carlos Hyde was taken. So I'm looking at Michael Thomas as the top ECR guy, number 18. Um, With Cooks gone, yeah, that's exciting. I like him. Uh, I also like C.J. Anderson, and I'm more worried about running backs drying up early. 14-team league, I want to get three starting running backs. That's going to be tough to do. 
But with that being said, DeAndre Hopkins is sitting down there at number 27. And I know he wasn't great last year, but I think they're going to get Tony Romo. And uh, I'm not as worried about playing it safe in the second round. I want a second superstar player. If you get that second superstar player, I'll tell you what, you're going to be in the playoffs for sure. And you just might win your league. So I'm taking a shot here. I love DeAndre Hopkins. I also like Gronk and Keenan Allen. If it was a PPR league, oh man, Keenan Allen, I'd be thinking about him at the end of the first, uh, even with the downside there and all the injury issues. But I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins. So I've got Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, one and two. Who are you going with in the third round here? So hold on. I'm going back. I need to I need to stand up for my boy, Amari <laughs> Cooper. I'm, hold on. So Amari Cooper, to me, I think he's a top five talent in this league. I, I really, truly believe that. I think that he's one of the best dynasty buys right now. I think you can get him for cheaper than his actual worth. I think he's the type of guy that's worth... He's worth like three first round picks. I, I think he's that good. I think he's such... His route running skills are so, like I drool when watching Amari Cooper run routes. Like he's that good. Um, Crabtree, here's my stat for you, Bobby. Amari Cooper in the red zone last year scored just nine fantasy points. Michael Crabtree, 56. These two ended the season with basically the same amount of points. Wow. That, those, those red, those red zone numbers will change. Like you cannot have touchdowns year over year. It's something that's not as predictive. So for me, Amari Cooper only saw eight less targets than Crabtree in the red zone. I think that those numbers start to even out. And I think you see Amari Cooper take a leap into wide receiver one territories. I just need you to stand up for my guy. You sold me a little bit. You really did. Like, I would consider taking him before the fifth round now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Oh, I take him earlier brutal. than that. <laughs> that is brutal. Um, yeah. So now we get into the third round. And this is where things get ugly because I'm sitting here with one stud running back, one stud wide receiver. But... It's, it's where you get to the point in the running backs where you're not happy, right? You have these guys on the, the board like Rob Kelly, like Thomas Rawls, like Isaiah Crowell. You know, these are guys that are there. Now, we have to keep in mind that this is a standard league. We don't know if running backs have signed, are, are going to sign yet. You know, some of these teams like Seattle are, are mentioned in the running back sweepstakes. We don't know where Eddie Lacy's going. We don't know where Latavius Murray's at. So it's really dicey there. So I really want to stay away from uh, the running backs there. So that's when I look so you're over. Taking a, you're taking a quarterback, right? I am not going quarterback. In the third <laughs> I'm <round>. just <laughs> No, no, no. I, so for me, this is the area, like I said, we're, we're going to aim for some upside. So it came down to either Travis Kelsey or Devontae Adams. I, I feel like I could find value at tight end later. So I'm going to take Devontae Adams. I wish Devontae Adams was on the board for me. He was taken in the early second round in my draft. I don't know why I feel like that's reaching a little bit, but I love Devontae Adams this year. Okay, my board, it, it's, there's a lot of quarterbacks up there. Don't take a quarterback in the third round. Don't be that guy, please. It's, it does not work out most of the time. Um, you're just not getting value there, and you can get huge value at the other positions, running back, wide receiver, even tight end with Kelsey, uh, as you mentioned. However, again, I also like uh, Hunter Henry. I would love to get Hunter Henry later in the draft. So I'm looking running back, wide receiver. Alshon's there. Uh, Allen Robinson's there. I love Allen Robinson this year. As late as he's going, we know he has first round upside. But for me, I'm looking at the running back board and we're using this tool called Pick Predictor that tells us what the odds are that a running back or any player is going to be taken before our next pick. It says there's an 81% chance Rob Kelly's going to be gone, 68% chance Eddie Lacy's going to be gone. And then the next best guys on the board, Latavius Murray, LeGarrette Blunt, Isaiah Crowell, it gets ugly quick. So I'm taking a running back now. I'm getting Rob Kelly, even though it's reaching a little bit. Although I'll tell you, I would love to get Allen Robinson. Yeah, I don't blame you. I would love to get Allen Robinson in the third round as well. But he, for me, I think Allen Robinson's a second round player. 
I think that's a team that you should watch out for taking a running back. So for me, I like Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon, you, you like they're outside the top 35, top 40 running backs. Those are guys you want to avoid right now until you get some clarity on the situation. And I know earlier in the show, we talked about um, Isaiah Crowell and how, you know, he's he's just a guy, but he is just a guy playing behind arguably one of the best offensive lines now. This is a standard format where I don't have to worry about so much PPR. So when I'm looking here in the fourth round and I see what's on the board, you're sitting there with some quarterbacks. Three quarterbacks have gone now. The running backs, I'm, I'm left choosing between Isaiah Crowell, Tevin Coleman, Jonathan Stewart, Kenneth Dixon. Now, I would have drafted Kenneth Dixon right now prior to his suspension, but he's going to be suspended for the first four games. The wide receivers, we're looking at Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, Emmanuel Sanders. I don't. These aren't guys that I'm going to go out of my way to draft. So for me, I'm going to get my other running back here. At least I know I have a starter that's guaranteed 12 to 15 touches per game in a standard format. I'm going to go with Isaiah Crowell. I'll tell you what, I, I can't blame you for taking him there, first of all. I'll tell you what, though, the fourth round is so bad. Yeah. Like, there is no value here. Every single one of these players for ECR right now, I would be willing to bet that almost all of them goes in the sixth round by the time we actually get to the preseason. Um, Michael Crabtree's on the board, so it doesn't apply to him. And, um, <laughs> you know, as much as I was talking him up, I don't think I'm going to go with him here. Uh, you've got Julian Edelman, who's going to go backwards because they just got Brandon Cooks. Latavius Murray is not even going to be a starting running back. He's going to sign with some team, be second fiddle. Matt Ryan, I don't want a quarterback. Greg Olson, he might be a nice pick. But again, I'm obsessed with Hunter Henry this season, so you better believe he's going to be on my team. So I'm reaching here. I'm reaching for someone that I think is going to move way up the board, uh, and it's Stephon Diggs. I think he's going to end up getting a lot of hype and maybe too much hype. Um, maybe I'm reaching a little too far here, but I'm a believer in Stephon Diggs. I like it. You saw what he did. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of upside there. He's still a young player. And uh, he's going to be my third wide receiver here, but I'm not really happy with it. I would have liked to wait on him. I like Stefan Diggs there. He actually went at uh, the third pick in the fifth round for me. I actually, if I needed a receiver, if I only had one receiver at that point, I definitely would have considered Diggs in the fourth. And uh, again, I stress it's important to know, to know that this is a 14 team league. So Isaiah Crowell is not a, four, a fourth rounder inside of a 12 team league or anything like that. In this format, we're starting three wide receivers, two running backs. So I have my starting running backs intact. I feel like everybody from here on out is kind of like a timeshare guy where I'm not comfortable with any of them. So I'm going to wait on running back for a while. A quarterback, I feel like I could take Dak Prescott later. I feel like he's an extreme value in drafts. And if for some reason somebody else feels the same way, I think you could wait all the way to Tyrod Taylor now that he's back in Buffalo. Sammy Watkins is going to be healthy again. So for me, quarterback, running back are kind of off the board. And this is where you look. Do you, do I go Tyler Eifert? He's, uh, I want to say I have him as my number three tight end on my board. Or do I look at wide receiver and I go with someone like Golden Tate or Eric Decker? For me, I think this is the point where I go Tyler Eifert because I feel like we're at a point in the wide receivers where it's a little based on opinion. You don't have to reach for players. I think Tyler Eifert is one of the elite tight ends that's still left on the board. I feel like you can get value later, but Tyler Eifert, when he's on the field, there isn't many guys that are as valuable as he is. He's kind of like that Gronk for the Bengals offense and a Bengals offense that's not going to be able to run the ball this year because they've lost two starting offensive linemen uh, that were excellent run blockers. You mentioned Kenneth Dixon earlier, and I would have loved to take him last round if it weren't for the suspension. He's still there for me, so I'm intrigued, but there's some better options here. Jarvis Landry's still there, and uh, he's been pretty good in his, in his first two years of his career. He gets thrown the ball a lot. I think that's going to continue this year. But for me, you know, I've already got three wide receivers. I'm not taking a chance on letting Jamal Charles fall. Pick Predictor says there's a chance, but, you know, it's just too risky to me. Jamal Charles, when he plays, 
is definitely a second round value. I mean, we're betting on whether or not he's going to play. If he plays eight games, that justifies taking him here in the fifth round as far as I'm concerned because he's always been a superstar when he's on the field. So I'm grabbing Jamal Charles now. I'm definitely going to get insurance at running back later, but I love his upside. Yeah, I understand the upside there. Um, I just have a, I have concern about where he lands. If he lands with a team like Seattle, which he's been linked to, uh, he's competing with CJ Procise there. Um, that's my issue because they both do kind of similar things. They can run the ball, but they're more known as a receiver. I'm really wondering where Jamal Charles does go. I could see him going to a team like the Cowboys, backing up Ezekiel Elliott, uh, contributing. Ooh, that would maybe, hurt me. You know, maybe five to ten touches per game. Uh, I could see that happening. I really can because he wants to go to a contender, and I think that they are. Um, for my pick, you know, as I mentioned, running back is kind of weak. It's still like a, 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 I can get the back end of my tier. I'm debating Russell Wilson because he's sitting there on the board still. It's now the sixth round. Uh, I, I think that he's going to be a tad undervalued. But again, I mentioned that I'm going to wait on quarterback. I have my tight end. I'm going to grab a wide receiver here. And uh, the next one on my board, I feel like his his ADP is going to come up now that he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think Deshaun Jackson inside of a, a non-PPR format, I think he's solid. I think uh, Jameis Winston has a solid arm to get him the ball downfield. So Deshaun Jackson is my third wide receiver to pair with Amari Cooper, Devontae Adams. You know, it's kind of ugly for me at running back wide receiver. So I'm doing the unthinkable here. I'm actually taking a quarterback way earlier than I usually would here in the sixth round. And that's because Cam Newton fell to me. His ECR is number 65. Here I am getting him at pick 78. So this is one of the one times I'll draft a quarterback early. And uh, I've got to say, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm very pleased. I know there's risk here, but, you know, you can always supplement that with uh, with a decent backup quarterback later in the draft. It's probably smart because me now at quarterback, Dak just went um, a few picks before mine. So I'm, I'm sitting here looking at Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, who would be like the That's next. That's not quarter. bad. It's not bad. I also like Jameis Winston. So I feel like, and again, Tyrod Taylor's down there. So I'm still going to wait at quarterback. I don't feel like I need to jump at that. But where I'm going to go here is kind of a way that I didn't think I was going to. But seeing as the the Packers have still not signed a running back, they said that they're pretty happy with Ty Montgomery uh, doing what he's doing. He's one of these the guys where I'm at the bottom of my tier of this running backs, and he's in there. I think that no matter who they sign, he has a role. I believe they can use him as a wide receiver. We know that that's what he came into the league as. So for me, Ty Montgomery here in the seventh round, uh, you know, to fill a flex spot, I feel like Whoa. that's solid value. He went in the early sixth round in my draft, and uh, I was really disappointed because I was going to pull the trigger on him in the sixth. Yeah, um, That is a great value, Mike. I am jealous, man. <laughs> yeah, sometimes these drafts, the way they shake out, that's why it's good to do them because, you know, what they it, it does, it randomizes them, so you're not doing the same mock draft every single time. Yeah, and you're drafting against the experts. You're not drafting against some snotty-nosed 12-year-old in, uh, in a Yahoo mock draft who's talking trash and taking... 90 seconds to make each of his picks. So I mean, you can do this in seven minutes if you're not recording a live podcast. Yes, yes, you definitely can. <laughs> so my top uh, players on the board, Deion Lewis, Deshaun Jackson, Dak Prescott's there. I already got the quarterback. I'm going to move down. There's one player that I really want. If you guys remember last year, I was high on him. It didn't quite work out because their offensive line was a mess. I think Minnesota is going to take care of their offensive line this year. And Jarek McKinnon has elite athletic ability. I'm not saying he's going to be an elite running back, but I think he's going to be a lot better than 107, which is where his ECR is. And yeah, I could wait and take him next round, but next round's the Hunter Henry round. So I'm going Jarek McKinnon here as my third running back. I actually like that pick a lot, but here's what I'll tell you. I do believe I'm starting to get more and more into the mindset that Adrian Peterson's coming back to Minnesota. I say that because the only team that's really rumored to have any interest is Seattle. In Seattle, 
it's 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 really a a place where I don't understand why he'd want to go. They have a worse offensive line than Minnesota. The Vikings have added a few offensive linemen to help shore things up. So if if Peterson doesn't go back there, McKinnon's a solid solid value as a starting running back. If you know if Peterson does go back there, I still think McKinnon's going to receive plenty of touches, especially in the receiving game. And keep in mind that Matt Asiata is gone. So if something were to happen to to Peterson, Jarek McKinnon is all of a sudden into a you know fifteen to twenty touch role behind a better offensive line. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So who are you grabbing here in uh, round eight? Oh man, this is where it gets really dicey because there's the you know I have my my running backs, my wide receivers, my tight end, my flex filled. So I need a quarterback, but at the same time, I'm still looking at this cluster of quarterbacks. And right now, I'd be debating between Jameis Winston and Tyrod Taylor. I can wait. Like there's still Matthew Stafford and Philip Rivers in the board, and those guys are probably going to go before my quarterbacks. So I feel like I could probably wait to grab Winston. Uh, leading me to just get a little bit more from my bench here is what do I go tight end or do I go running back? I feel like I'm going to go running back because Isaiah Crowell, as we mentioned, we're not I'm not the biggest fan of him, um, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is a pick that's down the list. I have him much higher than most uh, other experts do on the site, and that is Derek Henry. I think Derek Henry, I think DeMarco Murray, we saw towards the end of the year, him start to take uh, to trend downward. And we started to see Derek Henry, you know, be the guy that we thought he'd be coming out of college. I think it's going to be more of a timeshare this year than people think. Derek Henry might end up being a first round pick this time next year. I agree. So, you know, if DeMarco Murray does go down or for whatever reason, Derek Henry just passes him up, which is a real possibility. That's an awesome pick. I love it. Yeah. And yeah, in the eighth round. Yeah, I definitely can't go wrong there. So here I am in the eighth round. Derek Carr is still on the board, believe it or not. And because I have Cam Newton, it kind of makes sense to add him. I don't like to add two quarterbacks before. Like, I I don't even draft two quarterbacks most of the time. But with Cam Newton, you kind of have to. With that being said, all of my top options were taken. All the tight ends, Cameron Brait, Hunter Henry, Eric Ebron, even Kevin White. Someone reached for Kevin White, who's my guy. (laughs) I was completely planning on taking him, like no doubt about it. So... I'm stuck. This is a really tough round for me. And so I'm just going to go ahead and take Tyler Lockett, who, when he's been on the field, has been a very good fantasy player. He was hurt a lot last season. He was dealing with that injury. And yeah, he was on the field a little bit, but he wasn't really Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett can uh, jump forward to where he was preseason last year. A lot of people were drafting him in the top 70. And I think I'm getting a nice value with him here in the eighth round. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's a solid value. I think he's a player that comes with plenty of risk, obviously. I just, my concern with him is that I don't know if he comes back as the same player. Um, it was a nasty injury. Um, I'm hoping he comes back as is a similar player, but even before they weren't using him much. He seems to top out at five, six targets or game and Doug Baldwin's the guy Paul Richardson stepped up as the year went on. So that's my concern with him. But I, again, it's late enough to where I feel like you're getting value for me. This is the point in the draft where I really heavily consider a quarterback. Again, Jameis Winston's still there. Tyrod Taylor's there. Matthew Stafford's still there. So it, I feel like it's a, it's another round where I can wait. But at the same time, it's a 14-team league and these are starting quarterbacks. So I feel like I need to grab one here. And I in my, in my article on Deshaun Jackson going to Tampa Bay, I said that the low-key uh, area that people are missing here is that Jameis Winston is now a top 12 quarterback. And I'd argue that he's top eight. Wow. I love Jameis Winston, but I think that might be pushing it. Why do you have him all the way up at top eight? 
I feel like they don't have a run game. I think Doug Martin is going to be released. Right now, you're looking at Jaquiz Rogers, Charles Sims, guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. You have Cameron Brait. You have Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. You don't go out and get a guy like Deshaun Jackson unless you plan on stretching the field, using Mike Evans a little bit more underneath. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston is a guy, you know, 28 touchdowns in his second year in the league, and he's only getting better. He has the arm. He has confidence. Um, he's shown a dedication, lost a lot of weight this past offseason. Uh, I, I just see everything I want to see out of a franchise quarterback. Jameis Winston is yeah. done. And I think that this is the year where it's like they got him the, that extra piece that he needed. We're not going to be trying to run the ball 40 times a game like we were last year. I think there's only room for improvement. And to get him as I think he's the 15th quarterback off the board in this, I'm more than happy. Yeah, I, I mean, if Jameis Winston was there, I'd be taking him this round. Obviously, Derek Carr's gone, so it's kind of ugly for me at backup quarterback. I'll probably just wait for Tony Romo. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Derek Henry's still there for me. That's really intriguing. Um, you know, we've also got some wide receivers, Malcolm Mitchell on the board. Uh, I don't know. With Brandon Cooks there, Malcolm Mitchell doesn't make sense. Zach Miller's still there. I need a tight end. He's my guy. I'm going to wait. I think I can wait one more round. If not, then I'm just screwed at tight end. We'll see what happens. But uh, for me, you talked about that Tampa Bay running situation. And I think Charles Sims is the guy that gets the job. I think he takes over. And we were drafting him in, as, in the top 100 last season because what he displayed in limited time the year before. Then he dealt with injuries last year. I think he can be a really good running back in this league. And I think he's going to be the starter. So I'm going to add him now before the running back well dries up completely. And he's my fourth running back. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I got three running backs at this point. Basically, right now, all I'm doing is filling bench spots and then my defense. So uh, for me, I, I really, I typically don't take a backup quarterback. I feel like Winston's going to be fine. I can stream a quarterback if I need to. So looking at the running back position, uh, this is where TJ Yeldon, he's still there on the board. I think there's been 45 running backs taken. This is where I'd start to consider Yeldon because if the Jaguars don't add an impact running back, I think that Yeldon had a down year last year. They've tried to adjust the offensive line. The defense has gotten so good in Jacksonville that they're going to be able to run the ball more. So I do like TJ Yeldon here. Uh, I'm debating between him and Cameron Meredith. I think that I can actually probably land Meredith the next round. So I'm actually going to draft TJ Yeldon right here in the 10th round. You know, it looks like I can actually wait another round on Zach Miller. I'm I'm going to. I'm going to risk it. Martellus Bennett's still there too. Maybe, maybe I should just take Martellus Bennett now, but... You know, I'm looking at wide receiver. You've got Brashard Perryman. Um, you've got some other options there. He's still Will there. Fuller. Yeah, Brashard Perryman and Will Fuller are be- both still there. But Philip Rivers is still on the board. And Philip Rivers is the 98th ECR player. We're looking at pick 134 here. I need a quality backup quarterback. And uh, Philip Rivers gets Keenan Allen back. So Philip Rivers is my guy. And we've got two more rounds left. Wow. Uh, I can't believe Perriman was there. Perriman went for me. It was in the beginning of the ninth round. So uh, he, I, I wish he was there. I, I like him as a potential breakout candidate, especially if you're looking for somebody for your bench. Uh, but right now I have my three starting wide receivers, but I have nobody on the bench at, at wide receiver. So I'm going to look to fill a couple wide receiver spots here. And as I mentioned last round, I was debating him, Cameron Meredith. I think that he showed up towards the end of the season uh, in a big way, and he was doing it with Matt Barkley. So I, I, I'm, I'm starting to get more and more confidence in this kid. He was playing in the slot, so he's kind of being he's able to be used anywhere on the field. So that they want him to play in the slot, he he played there at the end of the year. They want him to play outside. He we showed that he was able to do that earlier in the year. So for me, Cameron Meredith here in the 11th round. It's a steal. He's being drafted around guys like you know Terrence West, Devontae Booker. Uh, I think Cameron Meredith is a steal here. 
I love the Cameron Meredith pick. I'm actually looking at him too, but I need my tight end so bad that I've got to go with Martellus Bennett. He's still on the board, believe it or not. I love me some Zach Miller, but Martellus Bennett at this value is uh, is a pretty nice get. So final round, who are you taking here, Tags? I'm really not liking any of the talent on the board, and I know I'm in a competition with you to win the best roster here. So uh, the only reason I'm taking a backup quarterback is because it would dock me if I didn't. So I'm going to go with Tyrod Taylor, my favorite. My <laughs> Honestly, I think if you draft Tyrod Taylor, I think that you can use him as your QB1. Uh, I think that he's someone that if you want to wait in drafts, Tyrod Taylor, I had him ranked before Sammy Watkins got hurt in, uh, before we found out in the preseason that he was hurt. I had Tyrod Taylor ranked as my number six quarterback. Nobody really wanted to believe me, but I did. And when Watkins got hurt, it knocked him down. I think I ended up even with the Watkins injury, not knowing that he was going to play in the season, I had Tyrod Taylor as my number 10 quarterback and he finished the season as number seven. So he definitely didn't disappoint him back with a healthy Sammy Watkins. I think the Bills draft a wide receiver in the first round. If it's Corey Davis, great. If it's Mike Williams, that's fine. Um, I have a, I have some ideas for what they should do, but uh, I do like what's going on in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor. So I'm going to take him as my backup. Yeah, I think Tyrod Taylor is a really great value there. You know, he has such a high floor with all that running that he does. For me, I need another wide receiver. If it was a deeper league with more bench spots, I would love to take Alfred Morris here. I feel like getting the backup for that Dallas team behind that offensive line is crucial. It's going to be really helpful this year in case Zeke does go down. But Cameron Meredith is still there, so he's my final pick. And now, Tags, it gives us our grade. So you go first. What did it give you? I got a B plus. I got an 88 out of oh! 88 out of 100. I, I usually I would usually get an A, but I took some chances and I'll explain why I think it gave me a B instead of an A. But a B plus 88 out of 100. What do you get? I got a B, an 84. You beat me. Oh. So let's go ahead and uh, well, why don't you tell us why you think you got a B plus? Well, when you look at it, so basically when you finish it, it gives you the projected standings. It gives you draft analysis, the team analysis and going to my team analysis. It says I'm top six in every position except for quarterback. It says I am ranked number 14. So dead last, they're giving me a quarterback, which is unfair to me because I don't feel like Jameis Winston and Tyrod Taylor are are outside the top 12. I think both of them are inside the top 12. Um, I think both of them finish as top 10 quarterbacks this season. Um, I think I'll be more than fine at that position. I'm happy that everywhere else I'm ranked anywhere in between number four and number six. So uh, Again, mine is basically saying that I waited too long on quarterback, but I am more than okay with my quarterback situation. My draft's kind of the opposite. I have the number one bench, number two wide receivers, and then it gets kind of ugly. I'm right in the middle in quarterback, but um, my running backs are down at number 11 because they don't like Rob Kelly and Jamal Charles. I did wait a little long to take a running back, but I love both those guys. I like the bench guys that I got at running back. And then tight end, I'm number 12, obviously, because I waited for Martellus <laughs> Bennett. So I, I probably could have pulled the trigger earlier on a tight end, but I really thought I was going to be able to get Hunter Henry or Cameron Bray or Ebron in one of those rounds and uh, just kind of bit me in the butt. I'll just go ahead and make the excuse now that the reason you beat me is because you had that one player drop and none of the guys that I was expecting to get dropped. So, well, you had, hold on a second. You had Julio Jones drop in yours and I, 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 ah, you're I, had, right. I had to, I had to, I had to settle with uh, LaShawn McCoy there. All right, tags. Well, that's all for our mock draft. Uh, it was really fun. You have anything else to say? No, not much. It's fun. I know, I know we're going to be doing much more of these. Check it out. I mean, it, nothing get, gets you better than mock drafts. Like honestly, it gets you to, to learn where players are going, where you have to reach, where you don't. And honestly, at the end, you get a free grade. So it, it, there's nothing better than doing mock drafts.
And for those of you listening, we're going to move on to Keith Goldner to talk about March Madness in just a second. But I want to remind you, we also have a Fantasy Pros baseball podcast, which is in full swing right now, gearing you up for your fantasy baseball drafts. We're also doing a subscription upgrade right now. So if you subscribe on iTunes, rate and review us, take a snapshot of that. Send it to me on Twitter, at BobbyFantasyPro. We'll enter you into the giveaway. And if you win... We'll contact you. You'll get an upgrade to the MVP package, which comes with all the goodies for your fantasy baseball season. Uh, it's really going to help you out. All kinds of great stuff there, so check it out. We're now joined by Keith Goldner, Chief Analyst at NumberFire.com and Director of Analytics at FanDuel. Hey, Keith, happy March Madness. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's our pleasure. So this past week, as I was watching college basketball, I grew really frustrated because I was all about Duke and Michigan, but then they went on these really nice runs, and apparently everyone believes in them all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. They're two of the uh, two of the hottest teams right now, and uh, two of the most picked teams um, based on a lot of the public pick data that's been published. Do you put a lot of stock into who comes into March Madness hot? Uh, I do not. Well, actually, I should say that I do, but I think I use it in the opposite way that most people do. Um, so because people tend to pick the hot teams. Um, one of the most important things in March Madness, if you're in a pool of any legitimate size, is is being contrarian. And uh, that means trying to avoid those teams that everyone else is picking. Um, so I tend to see the hot teams and, and fade them as a result. I love that. I love that so much because that's what I do as well. And uh, it's nice to be validated by someone with such a pedigree like yourself. I love to target values in my brackets, which means taking the actual odds a team will win compared to the percentage of national brackets that have those teams winning, then finding the overlooked teams, just as you mentioned. Um, what would you say your overarching strategy is when you fill out a bracket? Yeah, so what you just said is, is I would say, the foundation for what I'm doing. Um, if I'm in a really small pool of about 10 people or less, then I'm generally just trying to find the best picks and not thinking too much about public because okay. um, your, your pool might not line up with public because it's so small. Um, but anything over that, then you have to start taking into account what you think everyone in your pool is going to be doing. Um, and that's obviously the first place to look is the public data. But it's also important to consider things like who is actually in your pool. Like for me, I'm a Northwestern fan. Um, I went to Northwestern and everyone in my pool is going to be Northwestern fans. So um, I know that there's going to be a lot higher public pick on Northwestern in my pool than there might be elsewhere. So I'm going to want to avoid those teams similarly. If you're in like a Duke pool, you're going to definitely want to fade Duke because a lot more people are going to be picking them in that case. Congratulations, by the way, on, uh, on Northwestern making the the tournament. I know that's been a long time coming. Yeah, it was really exciting. I was up at uh, Welsh Ryan yesterday for the uh, the show and the announcement. It was, a, it was a really good time. So for instance, what Keith's talking about is you can look at ESPN and Yahoo, how many people are taking them. So for instance, UCLA, 8.8% of brackets are picking UCLA to win it all. 9.4 in Yahoo. Whereas if you look at the various sites that give their predictive measures that say how good a team really is, they're anywhere between a, a 1 and 2.5% chance of actually winning it all. So your, uh, your odds go way down when you pick UCLA to win your championship when you fill out your bracket. Keith, can you give us one or two, maybe three teams that you think have the best shot at winning the title this year? Yeah, for sure. So our number one pick is uh, Gonzaga right now, and they're actually one of the least picked, they're the least picked uh, number one team. So we have that amazing? That, yeah, it's it's because of the weak schedule and because they're a smaller conference team, people don't have that much faith that their abilities there. But all of the uh, analytical sites love them. A uh, big part of that is just um, how hefty their point differential was throughout the season. And so we have them at about 19% to win it. Our second most likely team, I believe, is uh, Villanova. Um, and we have them 
at about uh, no, we have North Carolina at fourteen percent, and then Villanova at thirteen percent. So um, two other one seed favorites there with pretty high chances to win it. Yeah, those are the three teams really that I think most people who really look at the underlying metrics know have at least a ten percent chance of winning. You mentioned if you're doing like a ten team bracket. Um, Gonzaga or whoever it is that has the highest chance just being the best pick. I'm picking Gonzaga in there because if you're doing a 10-team bracket, odds are showing that you're probably going to be the only one picking Gonzaga. And if you don't get your championship right, you're in big trouble. Now, let's say you're in a bracket with 200 entries. Which direction would you be going there? Is there a sleeper that you think could actually win it all? Yeah, so 200 is when once you get above 100 you're basically throwing darts because there's so many brackets that it's really just a roulette. So in that case, if I really want to distinguish myself, I might go crazy out on a limb and pick somebody like Wichita State, who they're a 10 seed. So obviously, very few people, if any, are going to pick them. But we yeah. actually have them as the 10th ranked team in the tournament. And we yeah. give them about a uh, uh, almost a 2% chance to actually win the entire thing despite their 10 seed. I love the Wichita State pick. I just wrote an article breaking this all down, and Wichita State was the third team on my sleeper picks that can help you take down one of those big titles. Obviously, it's not like a surefire thing where you know you can just say, hey, plug in Wichita State and you're going to win, but it really enhances your odds, and you're looking for any value when you're building your uh, your tournament. So I'm in one that's about 200, maybe 300 entries, and West Virginia is my pick because less than 1% of the population is picking them, so I'm probably going to be the only one, maybe two or three other brackets will have West Virginia, but they have what, three to 7% chance. So, uh, you know, I know it's a small chance that they actually win, but if they do win, I'm taking home a lot of money. Yeah, that's so West Virginia is the, the second team that I was going to mention. Um, Wichita State is great across the board. They have uh, the number five opponent adjusted offense and number three opponent adjusted defense. So they're a very balanced team. West Virginia um, in that they're in that Gonzaga region. We have them as a, actually a 6% chance to win the entire thing, which is, like you said, much bigger than um, the public pick percent on them. We have them as the number five overall team uh, in the tournaments. The one problem with uh, West Virginia, which actually kind of helps your case uh, here, is that they're a really inconsistent team. Um, and as a yeah. favorite, you want to be consistent so that um, if you're inconsistent, that means there's a good chance you get upset, which is exactly what we saw last year with West Virginia. Um, but it also means that it gives you a better chance of upsetting better teams like Gonzaga or other teams in the Final Four and onward. So I do really like that West Virginia pick. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, they've taken down some pretty good teams. I mean, so many of these teams in the tournament have actually beaten a really quality team. So that's why we see all the upsets we see. I mean, we might eventually see a, a 16 seed take down a one seed. Do you think that there's any 16 seed this year that has even a remote chance? Uh, no bigger than any other year. I, I mean, we're going to see it eventually. So um, I'm not yeah. saying that it will never happen. Uh, but I, I don't think any of these teams have a more than about a one and a half percent chance of winning the game, something like that. That's fair. Yeah. What about a, a double digit seed? We see these teams, you know, maybe two or three every year that somehow make it into the sweet 16 or beyond. Which double digit seeds can you see doing that this season? Yeah. So we mentioned Wichita State as a 10 seed. We actually give them a 30% chance to make the sweet 16. Um, wow. They obviously have, have a tough matchup against Kentucky in the second round. But um, again, we have them as a really good team. Another team we really like is uh, facing that hot Michigan team, which is Oklahoma State. Um, they're another 10 seed, I believe. Um, and they have to play Louisville afterwards, um, which are two tough matchups. But again, we have them as the number 20 overall team in the tournament, despite, uh, the, the number 10 seed. Arizona is the number 20 overall team. No, Oklahoma state over, uh, oh, okay. over Michigan is what is, a uh, one of the ones we're looking at. 
Yeah, Oklahoma State, again, has some really impressive wins. I was eyeing them, but uh, I have Louisville in my Final Four, so I hope you're wrong about that one. Uh, one team that I do have in the Sweet 16 as a uh, as a double-digit seed is Rhode Island. I've been really impressed with them. They were getting a lot of hype preseason, and sometimes you see these preseason teams that are ranked really well so kind of struggle through the season, and then when they make it to March, they really put it together. What are you thinking about Rhode Island this year? Yeah, I like Rhode Island as a potential upseat. They're not one of our favorite ones, but um, preseason rankings do actually have a fair amount of predictive power uh, in terms of postseason play. Um, a, an 11 seed that we like a lot is actually Xavier. They're playing uh, Maryland in the first round, and we have Maryland as uh, by far the weakest six seed in the tournament, which gives uh, Xavier about a 15% chance to make it to the Sweet 16. Now, Maryland has Melo Tremble, who, as we know, is a very talented uh, basketball player. He's going to be taking the NBA draft fairly high. Do you put much stock in his star power? I mean, Kemba Walker, we saw him lead a team to a championship. Carmelo Anthony, all those years back, led his team to a championship. Or is it just kind of overall efficiency? So this is another example where, uh, kind of like what we talked about in the beginning with the hot teams like Michigan, where I kind of fade that effect because the public is going to favor it. So you see this with UCLA, uh, with Lonzo Ball and uh, and TJ yes. Leaf. Um, they're getting picked really highly because they have this NBA talent. Um, and so in a lot of cases, I see that as being overweighted as predictive power and will fade those those types of teams. It's interesting that you bring up UCLA because the metric that I built to display, you know, how much you're enhancing your your odds to win one of these big contests has UCLA at the very bottom. You're actually going backwards 79%. If in a 200 entry contest, you've got a 1 in 950 chance to win if UCLA is your selection because their odds to win really aren't that high and so many people are taking them because of Lonzo Ball. Yep, agreed. Uh UCLA is Probably the very top of those. Uh, Duke is the is the next team for me that too many people are picking, um, yeah. where your odds aren't that good. And I think uh, Arizona is probably the third of those teams. Um, there's some things about Arizona I really like in that they're very consistent, which is important. Um, but just in terms of overall ranking and their path, they could easily lose to St. Mary's in that second round matchup. St. Mary's is a very good team. I've got St. Mary's in my Elite Eight, so I hope that you're right. Uh, is there a, a sleeper team like a St. Mary's that you think has a chance to uh, to make it to the Final Four? I guess all teams have a chance, but someone that you think has what it really takes, uh, maybe a 5 to 10% chance? Yeah, so we talked about Wichita State already. Um, a team I really like out of the East uh, that a lot of people are sleeping on is Florida. Um, you've got Villanova and Duke in that region. That that's region is extremely tough, but Florida uh, is one of our top-ranked teams. Um, so we have them at about uh, a 16% chance to make the Final Four versus only 3% of people are picking them. Um, and one other team that I like a lot is Purdue. Um, they go up against Kansas, or they have a matchup against Kansas in the uh, Sweet 16 that's going to be tough, but a lot of people are sleeping on them. They've they've gone back and forth this season. We have them at almost 13% to make the Final Four wow. versus, again, only about 3.5% of people are picking them. I haven't heard anyone talk about Purdue yet, so I'll have to uh, take a second look there. That one's really interesting. I'll tell you what, Keith, when I was watching the selection show, I was so disappointed. They displayed the first region, right, the East, and five out of the top 13 teams on KenPom.com were all in the East. I was really excited about Virginia, maybe having them make a Final Four run. I was really excited about Southern Methodists making a Final Four run. And they're all in there with Villanova, Duke, you've got Baylor, Wisconsin, who's a great eight seed. I mean, this region is absolutely loaded. Yeah, it's crazy. We have six of our top 16 are in that region, the top six seeds. And I think any of those six could easily come out of it. And you mentioned Wisconsin, who um, ever since they 
played my Northwestern Wildcats and got upset at home. They've kind of been on a skid, but um, that's another team that preseason were ranked really highly. They have a lot of tournament experience um, and definitely have the upside to pull an upset as the eight seed. Absolutely. Well, Keith, we really appreciate you coming on the show. It was fun chatting about March Madness. I wish we could do this like every day of the year because March Madness is just so exciting. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, Keith. Take care. For those of you listening at home, we've got another episode coming out next week with Dynasty League Football. We're going to be taking a look at their ADP rookie drafts and doing a mock draft of our own. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes and don't miss that one. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.